from Vibe's New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jamal. And this is the Vibe Bear Podcast. From a very sick Seattle, Washington, it sounds like, mm-hmm. Zach. You feeling okay, buddy? Uh, you know, I was just sick sick without you around, Adam. Oh, <laughs> oh you, got, you caught the flu. <laughs> I caught, I caught, yeah, co- missing my co-host fever. Oh. What's your uh, What's your regimen when you're sick? Oh, I mean, it all goes to shit when you have kids. I mean, the whole house was sick at various times. So, I mean, what I, what I would like to do is, like, curl up and, you know, like, watch old episodes of Futurama and, like, not do anything. But Futurama. what I got to do is take care of my son and my daughter and to and be taken care of to some extent by my wife because I also injured my Achilles tendon yeah. right before I got sick. Oh, so it's been a real it's been a real week and a half in the real, small household. Real shit you. show in Seattle. <laughs> shit yeah, show in been. Seattle instead of sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> um, it's true. Well, I'm curious, like, like – you know, when you guys are sick, uh, you know, are you do you drink hot toddies? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? Or I like avoid alcohol me like too. the plague. Yeah. No. No alcohol for me when I'm sick. It depends on what kind of sick I am and where in the sickness curve. I definitely the last couple of days have had like a drink in the evening because again, aforementioned children, uh, <laughs> the alcohol helps a little bit. Um the, the, my son is a wonderful human being in so many ways, but like most kids, he's kind of a miserable piece of shit when he's sick. So Oh lovely. Uh, but I feel like drinking wine when you're sick is not good. No, no wine, no wine, no Just wine. Straight, straight liquor. Straight, straight, <laughs> straight whiskey to the face. I yeah, mean, not, I not so much I've... because of like I need more booze. Just like yes, like you can't. I can't smell much. So like, what's the point of something that I'm supposed to be savoring the nuances of? Like truth, truth. Do you guys miss me? We, we did. You what did so you? Much. I want to yeah, hear about yeah. your trip. Tell us about your trip. It was trip. good. It was good. Uh, we were out in. Napa and Sonoma recording uh, some live segments for some upcoming Wine 101 podcasts. Uh, so Keith and I were out there. I mean, obviously the topics are going to be Napa and Sonoma. That's where mm-hmm, we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Keith and I were out there. We got to, to go to some really fun places. We went to um, Lou Martini. We went to Kokomo. Uh, we got to see the Monteroso Vineyard, which nice. is one of like America's Grand Crew Vineyards, mm-hmm. which is really amazing. Um, guys, I had some just fun meals as well. Uh, just Keith and I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I uh, finally went to Charter Oak. Okay. Nice. Which was really great. Yeah. Um, restaurant. Yeah. It was really great. And had some like probably two late night drinks at Cadet Wine Bar mm-hmm. uh, in Napa, but it was fun. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was a good experience. The weather was great, but the weather now everywhere kind of feels like it's, it's getting great. So yeah, we're coming out of it. Yeah, we are. Uh, I mean, it was pouring here today, but thank you. Oh, sorry. Sorry. But yeah, it was pretty interesting, too, to see that, like, you know, obviously I don't really pay that much attention to these things because I don't make wine. I just like to enjoy it. Uh, But they're like three to four weeks ahead of of the... Growing the seed, the growing season already mm-hmm. out in California, wow. like they were full on into bud break already, which oh, was wow. really really crazy. Like lots of the vineyards were just full of buds and tiny leaves and things like that. Hmm. Um, and you know who knows what that means? Right. You know, like for the harvest. Yeah, who knows? Uh, climate change is real though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they were saying there were already certain days in parts of Sonoma in and uh, Napa where like this week they were expecting to hit ninety. Wow. You know, so like here it goes and, you know, they definitely are going to have a drought again. So, mm. uh, it was, but it was, it was, I mean, you know, it's, it's great to be out there. Lovely to visit California. Sure. Yeah. Love living in New York city, but lovely <laughs> yeah, to visit California. You're not moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was cool, but I'm glad to be back, you know, getting ready for, uh, for Oscar night. Yes. Uh, and that's what we're going to sure. talk about is, is movies and, and, and drinks. Uh, but before we talk about those, have you guys watched any of the contenders? 
No. You see any of them? <laughs> I no. don't even know what's nominated. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know? I, so wait, I actually have a better question. I mean, not that this isn't a good one, but like, were either of you ever like really into the Oscars? Because like, I've never cared personally. Like, I like I went through a movie phase when I was younger, and like, definitely enjoyed movies, but I never had a much of a feeling about like, oh, this movie should win, or like, oh my god, I can't believe such and such got snubbed. Like, it's just never been a thing. Like, I, I saved that kind of fandom for sports, I guess. But like, mm. were either of you like big into the Oscars now or ever? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I like to see the movies that are nominated for picture, okay. best picture, I guess, to, to yeah. know. But I, I, I don't know that I root for them in particular. I just like to have seen them. I used to be really big into the Oscars. So I was a, like, I was a theater kid. Mm-hmm. I was like oh, really okay. into like oh, that sure. kind of stuff. Like my parents and like I'd watch <laughs> it and be like, oh, I love these movies. I thought I was going to be like going to film when I went into college. And I was like, no, I don't want to do this. For some reason, journalism feels way more legit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I, I used to be into it. I, I have to say, like, it's been a little weird, I feel like, because even though we've heard that one of the good things that COVID brought is a lot of movies being watched at home. Right. I think one of the other things that it kind of lost is that that desire to like that that pull to feel like you have to see it in the theater. And right. I feel like I was more aware of the films when they were in the theater. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm a lot less aware now of the films than I used to be. And I think now because so many of the films stream almost immediately, they're competing against prestige TV. Right. And that becomes a really hard competition. So like I actually I knew that there was a new Batman movie coming out, for example. Like I'd forgotten when it was coming out and then I was seeing it everywhere. I was like Oh, it's cool. Like I'm not into that anymore. Anyways, like I'm, I've got some <laughs> prestige TV to watch. Mm-hmm. So I, I will admit I have not seen a lot of this year's contenders. Um, I hope to see more. I thought the Venus and Serena, like the the, the Williams docu drama like movie, was mm-hmm. amazing with Will Smith. Um, I saw West Side Story, which is incredible. Most people think that's going to win, mm-hmm. just because like it's Spielberg and it was. I mean, it's just amazingly shot it's a beautiful beautiful movie and it's such a classic you know musical but then you know you have the same issue with films like that were like it bombed at the box office Mm -hmm. no one went to see it so now the thought is like well maybe it wins the academy award and then everyone's like oh we have to rent this Mm -hmm. um i haven't seen the western that everyone's talking about on netflix i did not like it the power of the dog yeah the power of the dog i did not like it it was real slow going it was so slow and that's why i haven't watched it because i'm like you know i don't want to sit down on a friday night and be like Let's watch something so slow we all go to bed. Yeah. You did not like it, huh? I didn't I didn't love it. No. I, so would, love it. I actually realized I have seen one of these movies. Which I've one? seen a handful <laughs> I saw of them Dune. actually. I saw Dune too. Dune I loved that. Dune was beautiful. I actually, went, I actually went to a theater with my dad wow. to see Dune. Dune was oh. great. Dune was great. What else have you seen? I've seen Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up was fun. Don't look up not was fun. no way it's gonna win, but it was fun. I don't think so. Uh and I saw also Nightmare Alley. Ooh. I don't know that that will win either. No, it won't. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be either Power of Dog, of the Dog, or it's going to be West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Or Coda? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. It's a great story, but I don't think it wins. You know, you have to remember, like, the the uh, the Academy loves, like, big, expansive movies that make a statement. And I feel mm-hmm. like West Side Story, of course, makes the statement they want to make right now, which is, you know... <laughs> them thinking they're woke but it's not actually that woke of them to have West Side Story win but mm-hmm. I could see them going for West Side Story and again it's this just classic classic musical and then they love the director mm-hmm. or Power of Do- the Power of Dog because like they love westerns mm-hmm. you know it's got this really interesting story it's a different kind of western the question is will they let it win because it's a Netflix movie 
sure. and mm-hmm. all the politics aside. But this is not a movie po- podcast. This is a <laughs> drinks podcast. Right. So we thought we'd use this opportunity to talk about some of our favorite drinks moments in film. In movies, yeah. In movies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious uh, what those would be for y'all. Yeah, so I have a handful of them that were pretty, uh, pretty. I don't know, like um, remarkable for me growing up and and in my okay. you know drinking drinking age. Go. One was um, in some like it hot. There's yes, this really I great this on scene. My list too. Yeah, the Manhattan scene, uh-huh. the party party in party in Upper Seven yep. uh, with Marilyn Monroe, who was actually yeah. like an idol of mine as a kid. Really? Yeah, I had oh. a poster of her on my wall. It's kind of weird. Like thinking I love back that. about it, I loved her. I thought she was the coolest. That's I don't think I obviously didn't her, know much about how her. Did you like yeah. get introduced to her? I like, don't know. You think, like, one of your parents like showed you a movie of hers, and yeah. you're like, "She's the best." Yeah, must must have been. That's that. really cool. Anyway, so I think that that's such a uh, such a great scene. You know, she they have that bottle of bourbon. Yeah. Uh, her and Jack Lemon, and they're drinking it, and then they call a friend to get some of the vermouth to make Manhattans and their little Dixie cups, and then it becomes this big party. Um, and I just love that scene so much. And I, I don't know, maybe subconsciously that's why I love Manhattan so much. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's really you had great. that one too, Zach. I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's because what's what's also great about it is besides being just a lot of fun and like there's there's a lot of just sort of like it has that era's sort of like. I don't know. It's not exactly slapsticky, but just the kind of physical comedy yeah, element yeah. of that scene mm-hmm. where like yeah. everyone's kind of piling over one another, but also just like conveys something I think that's very interesting about like upon rewatching it because I I went back and like I made my list and I was like okay I'm gonna watch some of these scenes just because yeah, like, I saw them <laughs> like, really, like twenty wow. years ago. <laughs> I don't remember it super well, and and what was interesting to me is like. We now think of the Manhattan, I think, more through the lens of like classic cocktails and like, yeah. you know, here's the proper way to make it, and it should be, you know, and like in in the context of that movie, it's like it's like you just get some bourbon and some vermouth and you pour them in yeah. a cup, and there's your Manhattan. <laughs> and like, it was almost a nice kind of refreshing reminder of like, oh yeah, it's also just like a thing that you can have fun with. It's not doesn't have to be taken, you know, uber seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, okay, so I've got I've got one that was hugely impactful on my life, which we oh. can just dispense with right away, which is. I, I'm just going to call it the White Russian because that's the cocktail that of course, it is. Of course, oh, yeah, yeah, current, yeah. Current politics. <laughs> we knew that was coming. We knew that was coming. Why current yeah. politics? Yeah. I, I'm just saying. I'm not. We're not getting into that. This Don't. is also not a pod, politics podcast. Uh, uh-huh. Although it's maybe closer to that than a movie podcast sometimes. But this was a really important drink for me in college. Like I, I, it was it was one of my go to drinks. It was a terrible go to cocktail for a college student for a variety of reasons, really. But you know, I liked it. You know, I liked the sweetness of it. I liked the balance of it. And even though it's weird, I, I really like the cocktail, even though I will be honest, like the big Lebowski was never one of my favorite, like Coen brothers movies. Um, yeah. And that was fine. <laughs> I think it's a movie that as I've seen it, you know, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated it a little bit more. I, I, it never was like, Oh my God, I love this movie. But there was something about, I think there's something about the way that the cocktail functions in the movie that makes it like, like it's it, it, there's obviously there's another one that I'm sure we'll get to soon that, that, that serves a sort of similar function, but it's like so iconic in the hands of the character that like mm. you, mm. it's just, it's a totem of the movie in a way that like very few other cocktails. Are. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to throw us a curveball and go away from cocktails. Okay. Uh, All right, we're, I feel we're, like we're two cocktails in. Let's let's just totally change up the format. Let's change <laughs> up the format. Also, because I feel like I'm going to say like the one that's very obvious, which is the other one that you said that's very similar with the character, and I'm not going to do that yet because I'm going to let one of you do that. Probably Joanna because she's a huge fan of those films mm-hmm. and those all of them. Uh, okay, do you guys want to go to a party at the Moon Tower? 
I think that the Days and Confused oh, sure. keg party scene <laughs> is one of the most iconic, like, representative of what sort of, like, High underage school. drinking yeah. is yeah. in any mm. film I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of what it actually is. There's, like, some fights. There's, you know, there's people, like, it's not, because you know what? It's it's so well done. I feel like a little bit in super bad. It's it's almost more forced. Like, they gotta get the alcohol. Like it's mm-hmm. like the whole thing to, to get the alcohol and get the girl and have sex. Like that's actually not what the days. Days no. is like it's just a party. Mm-hmm. It's like this is the party to like start the summer to hang out. And at that time, it's also legal for so many of them to be drinking because of when it's supposed to be shot in the seventies. That it was an eighteen you know year old drinking age. And yeah. it's just like I don't know. When I first saw that movie, I was like, yeah. <laughs> this is this is what it's all about. Mm. And it's just it's so great. And then when, you know, the they start playing Tuesday's Gone and yeah, yeah Skinnered, I know, but like <laughs> and the party's over and you just see them trying to pump that last keg and it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just out and then they dump the red cup over the, mm-hmm. the you know, the pump and everyone just starts dispersing. It's just such a great film and that to me, I think is what a great party is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is my iconic, like yeah. my most iconic drink scene in the movie. Yeah, it's so funny because I feel like these seem these both seem very formative for you. Yeah, and uh, when you watch them first and how you. It's funny because I really didn't watch Days and Confused a lot in college. I watched it a lot right out of college. Like mm-hmm. When I first moved to New York, I watched it. I would watch Days and Confused with friends every once in a while, and it was like That's so you funny. just you like remembered college. And I don't know, mm-hmm. it's just a fun time. Yeah, I didn't go to college in the seventies, folks. But yeah, you know <laughs> sure. All right, Joanna, okay. what's the movie? Okay, so the other one that we were probably going to talk about is Casino Royale. Yeah, right. This one moment, of course, James Bond is known for his. Martini. Yeah. Right. But actually in the scene where he's at the poker table with Mads Mikkelsen's Le Chiff, uh, he orders a dry martini and then he changes the order to three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lille, shaken over ice, then add a thin slice of lemon peel. So that's the Vesper, yeah. right? Not our, not our martini, but, um, but yeah, obviously like such a huge moment, right? Like yeah. Bond is known for this drink. Yeah. So that's really cool. It's a good one. I mean, they, they've always done such a great job with bond and drinks, drinks. Mm-hmm. you know, it's always been this, like, it's always been a central part of his character, whether mm-hmm. it's champagne or it's, you know, the martini shaken, not stirred or it's mm-hmm. the Vesper. Like he just, you know, it's, it's so ingrained in the character and it's what makes all of those movies you know, special and this what makes you want to have a drink when you are ha- watching those movies. Yeah. Okay. So I have two thoughts on this. So one yes. is that one thing that's interesting about Bond is like in the books that Ian Fleming wrote, Bond is much less of a like one drink man than he is portrayed yeah. in the films. Like he's, yes. he's like portrayed as a very classic kind of British sophisticate where like he knows a lot about, I mean, not really, he's not an expert in wine, but like he's like, versed in wine and he like yeah. orders different he knows cocktails the brands. and like sells yeah. all this different stuff mm-hmm. and he got very in the in the film adaptations especially kind of in i think the middle portion of them got very kind of distilled down uh pun intended into like yeah the vodka shaken not stirred kind mm-hmm. of martini drinker i think because it became essentially yeah a calling card for him and it was just the the image that worked but what's also funny to me to think about is like i want to bond I, I mean i know they're kind of constantly reinventing it but like I think the scene where James Bond looks at a classic cocktail or like a cocktail list in a bar and like tries to figure out what the fuck a cocktail is would be yeah. hilarious to me mm-hmm. and only me. But like something about him being like, you know, what, wait, what is, you know, I don't know. I have come up with a, a random ingredient and, and like asking the bartender for a recommendation. I feel like 
it will never happen because like mm-hmm. Bond is too serious for that. Yeah. But I would find that very funny. Yeah. I love it. It would break with his sort of established image as like this, you know, person, you know, he's kind of a, as a knower of all things, kind of, even if he's not a, an intellectual in any real way. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. What's your next one, Zach? So I think the other one that I, I remember being very uh, struck by because I, it was referenced in a movie that I watched when I was, again, probably in my early 20s and didn't know anything about it and had to go out and like try and find one is the Singapore sling in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And it's like what they're drinking at the very beginning of the movie. And it's not like it's a big part of the film, but I just remember hearing it being like, oh my God, like it's such an evo- like like many great sort of tropical cocktails. It's like such an evocative name. Um, and you're just like, oh man, I have no idea what that is. And it just sounds like, I mean, it sounds like kind of a, like a disaster in a glass perhaps, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, it's just, it, it, it definitely sets the tone very well for the movie. Um, and, and I think is, I mean, again, it's not like central to the plot or anything in the way that some of these other things are, but it's, it's definitely a move, a, a drink that I associate with yeah. the movie very, very clearly. So another one for me, I don't know why I, these, these are now like, I'm going back to before my drinking time. Um, I just remember watching this one scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. where Harrison Ford is going to- shot for shot mm-hmm. and just thinking, huh, is that what drinking is like? <laughs> and it's this really iconic scene where he just keeps taking shots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, who who can take more? And, oh, sorry, it's not him. It's the... It's the female lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, her yeah. name. Yeah, and she's and it's just it's this thing of like I guess this must make you a good drinker when you could just drink someone under the table. And that's like when I learned what drinking under, someone under the table was all about mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's just such a funny scene to also to be like a kid watching that movie and thinking like, oh wow, I guess it's totally normal to drink like thirty shots. Oh <laughs> you know gosh. what I mean? Yeah. And thinking like they, and they also probably at that time when they shot that film had no regard also for like showing excessive consumption oh, excess- and things yeah, like no, that. No, no. It's just like no, no, this is part of the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought it was like a very funny scene for drinks. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Um, yeah, so another another one that's not um, not a cocktail per se, but uh, in The Shining, you know, pretty iconic bar in The yes, Shining. Yes, amazing bar. Um, yep, Jack Torrance is sitting there talking to Lloyd, the bartender, and he asks for a bottle of bourbon, <laughs> a glass and some ice, and he just wants to be left alone. And of course, he obviously proceeds to you know, drink himself silly or, you know, he's, uh, is he real? Is he not real? Right. What's happening? And I just love that scene. It's I so love amazing. that movie. The One of my favorite amazing. movies. Yeah. But, but all of the bar scenes in The Shining are just so great. Although mm-hmm. also like a weird thing of mine that I've always wondered about, which is like, these days, I don't think it's possible anywhere to go into a bar and just be like, and leave the bottle. Like that is not yeah. a thing that, that you yeah. can do. But I feel like I that happened a lot back in the, the day. Case, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it did. I like, think how would they, they, would, how just would they do that? They'd just be like, yeah, here's your bill for, you know, one, a half of the bottle or some shit. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel but, like, yeah, that, I mean, look, if you've ever been in a bar where they've done that, please let us know. But yeah, I think it's like <laughs> a, you drank this much. Yeah we are going to charge you for that much, that many ounces of liquid that you've drunk. <laughs> I guess so. Which Just is weird, like right? But yes, they did. Would, do, yeah. they, at least they always have made it look like that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe it never happened. Right. But they always made it look like that was what would happen is they would leave the, the bar bottle you and just let you keep pouring yourself shots. Like, just keep it rolling, man. Oh, man. Just what a time. <laughs> what a time. What a time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of other, like, cocktails like where we now know the cocktail from the movie like i feel like that is absolutely the case with the big lebowski and the white russian and like to some extent 
the Vesper, obviously the Vesper and also yes. Martini with Bond. Um, but yeah, what are some others? I don't know. I mean, Zach, I don't you, think, you I don't you think there's one? necessarily, you know, the other thing I had on my list was not a specific cocktail. So I will come mm. back to this other one that I was thinking of. I think the question of like other things where the, the drink is really known from the movie, mm-hmm. it's really, I think actually kind of hard to come up with this because as I was thinking about this and doing a little bit of research uh, and investigation, like weirdly, like cocktails are not like you see a lot of drinking in movies yeah. and whether it's Adam, you know, the kegger and Dazed and confused, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, movies about you know, there's certainly lots of movies about um, drinking, you know, mostly wine, but other things too. And like, but, but in a lot of ways, weirdly, I think like movies are very, and TV shows to some extent too, are very kind of uncreative when it comes to putting right like, cocktails in people's hands in, right. in a way that like, I guess makes sense kind of like, there are definitely movies where you see, you know, the sort of character with like a, a very over the top kind of tropical cocktail as a way to kind of convey something about them or about the setting or whatever. Um, but, but as far as like making the drink a part of that person's identity, I don't feel like you see that a lot in a way that does strike me as odd because I mean, we can certainly talk about this in a, in a broader sense, like a person who drinks one thing notably, like that is what makes the white Russian and, you know, and yeah. the dude kind of so such a good fit is it's like, it's a strange drink and it's the only thing he drinks basically. Mm-hmm. And like, it says so much about his character in that, very you know understated way like it, it's, well, and it it's, helps right that repetitiveness like throughout the entire movie is what then puts that drink on the map for mm-hmm. the viewers right is like if you enjoy the movie if you love the character if you get into it like they're like oh my god i must i gotta try white russian that's all they right. talk You're about right? i gotta try the martini mm-hmm. yeah exactly i think you know there's two other movies i can think of that i think were as synonymous for putting a drink mm-hmm on the radar for the majority of consumers. One we've talked about way too much, so I'll just put out there, which is Sideways. I'm sure. Which, yeah. you know, the wine industry talks about forever, but I think it is true. It really did help make Pinot Popular Noir eyes. relevant. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Lost in Translation. I think there was a Sunday. lot of Americans that had no clue what Japanese whiskey was. Mm-hmm. And it's when you think of good times, yeah. think of Suntory times. Mm-hmm. And I really think that, yes, yeah, Suntory as a company came on the radar for Americans and just the fact that there was Japanese whiskey came on the radar for Americans Mm -hmm. and the way that the movie is shot and just sort of how high end everything feels, et cetera. It just becomes this spirit that people I think became aware of in a large part because of the film. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of other movies like that besides the four we're kind of talking about where they really like made the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, look, if you if you have others, please shoot us an email at podcastofimpair.com because we're, we're definitely missing something. Oh, yeah, There's not for only sure. four movies. I want to shout out one other movie really quick before we, yeah. before we wrap up, which is I, I don't think it's a great movie and I don't think it's a great, you know, sort of like place to learn drinks recipes. But I will say that like the the scene in the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise where yes. he sure. works his first night behind the bar is like to me – was like I had seen that movie a long time ago, like you know probably when I first started in the restaurant industry I was curious because like you know I was interested in bartending and I saw it out and was like oh this is silly but then I was re-watching some of the scenes the other day kind of again preparing for this and I was like oh my god like it does capture something very perfect about being like new to something like bartending yeah where like people are just yelling at you they're they're telling you drink names and you're like what the fuck is that they're like <laughs> one of the waitresses is like you know a cuba libre and he's like what is that what is that what is that and she's like he's like why did you say a rum and coke like the whole thing is just like very 
again, you know, I don't think it's a great movie. I think there's a lot of, you know, and I obviously maybe it was more accurate to bartending in the eighties than anything I've ever experienced, but like, but just in terms of the, like that element of it, that sort of in the weeds over your head, frenetic nature of a busy night behind a busy bar, that part did ring true to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to shout out one other movie or else Tim McCurdy right. mm-hmm. will be like, why the hell did I listen <laughs> to this podcast? And we got then they didn't say crazy, stupid love. Right. The, there's a lot of people who feel that that scene is iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually it's funny. I don't. Right. It's an old fashioned. He's making an old fashioned, mm-hmm. which is like which was a cocktail that obviously was cool at the time of the movie too so it wasn't like a lot of people knew of it already mm-hmm. um yes he does make it correctly which right. is what makes the i think that's why people like cox people love the movie because it's one of the only scenes where the the actor actually makes the drink the right way he consulted with a bartender right like a famous it. bartender <laughs> etc which again is cool but i really never re- like until tim told me about that scene again mm-hmm. i had totally forgotten that scene in the, in the movie it's completely yeah, forgotten about it whereas mm-hmm. i think some of these other ones they are scenes that like kind of are at the the pinnacle of the film, right? right. It's like the keg scene in you know Days and Views is like the yeah. it's what we all were waiting for was that scene. They're, you know, th- those are the things that made it their way into popular culture. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had to shout it out because you know Tim's listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but otherwise, if you have other favorite um, other favorite films and you know, scenes we haven't talked about, shoot us an email podcast at vinepair.com. It's always super interesting to rediscover the movies that we love, maybe the movies we didn't love, movies we didn't see, uh, and watch those scenes as well. And we mm-hmm. haven't even gotten to TV. There's a lot of really cool so many, scenes yeah. in TV as well. But oh, you know, Whatever the Emmys are, we can do it then. We yeah. can do it then. Until then, Zach, feel better. Take some Sudafed, maybe drink a hot toddy, uh, and I will talk to you both on Monday. Monday. Yes, have a great weekend. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also... I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.